and welcome to In Season, where we explore the farms, gardens, and wild places of the North Coast. I'm Jessica Schleife, and I'm doing a show today without my normal co-host, Teresa Retzla. She's home working on the farm, and I am starting a new little mini-series uh, interviewing artists in their gardens and I have the pleasure today of being in Sally LeCaf's garden. Sally LeCaf is a local artist, uh, gardener, uh, graphic artist, uh, author, can I say that? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I am having the pleasure of being in her beautiful South Slope terrace garden that she has carved out of a hillside <laughs> close to a road and we're recording outside today so pardon the pardon the traffic noises the birds, the birds the the <laughs> um so hi sally hey, welcome Jessica. and thank you so much for agreeing to talk to me for a little bit about your garden practice absolutely it's a real pleasure love to um, go on and on about things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll be knowledgeable that it would be entertaining. So Sally, how, how th tell me a little bit about your history here on the coast. Um, how many years have you been living here in the upper left edge and what brought you here to start with? Well, I, I was born on the upper left edge in, in Seaside and lived in Cannon Beach as a small child before our family moved away. And I moved back to Astoria as a, um, or to Astoria, I should say, as a you know, mid-20s-ish person. And um, immediately started gardening and helped on by um, you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fact, I, this is that time where I have to do the <laughs> disclaimer thing. <laughs> Sally was my apprentice That's for correct. a number of years before she launched into her own <laughs> gardening practice and business. So everything I know was oh, from is, Jessica Schleier. Well, so many techniques, so many um, uh, ways to just improvise. Um, and Jessica's a far better gardener than me, but I, I've really learned a lot from you and oh, your. Oh, God. Um, oh, I didn't know we were going to do God. this. I'm Sorry. like, oh, no. <laughs> well, the artistic touch, and, um, you know, that, that has opened my. Uh, my vista in the gardening world a lot. That's interesting. I think, I, you know, when I first started gardening seriously and had an art practice, I thought of them as two separate things. They're not. And, are and they? they are not. <laughs> and, that, you know, the more, um, the more time I spend creating spaces, I, I realize that it's kind of just like the slowest moving art form. <laughs> right, yeah, you have to wait for so many things to happen to come about, but it's also an extension of your house, and you know, there's so many ways of looking at the garden, and I hang art and stuff everywhere in mine, as I'm sure you do too, as I know you do too, and um, it just augments everything. I think a garden with just plants and nothing else, just... I don't know, I guess it has its place in the world, but it doesn't seem very yeah. interesting to me. Yeah. I like so, the structures of art in the garden. So those sculptural elements. Yeah, so not necessarily going out and buying a, a sculpture, but just, you know, creating something out of what you have, the way the branches look, or, you know, um, right now, for instance, I think we talked about 
pandemic gardening and, and my pandemic garden has been all about building bamboo fences everywhere in my garden <laughs> to try and keep the deer from eating stuff which are beautiful it's uh, very fun to make so we're, we're looking at this garden of sally's and we're at the bottom of this slope which i feel like so many of astoria gardens have this this crazy yeah. hillside in some place in the garden Such a problem for all of us. <laughs> but you've carved out all these little terraces yeah it's a problem and a blessing because you have um, multiple layers to work with yeah and i think sometimes that problem solving in the garden can oftentimes be uh like any art practice where some of the real juicy exciting things come from it's a challenge it makes it really fun yeah, yeah. and just i'll lie awake at night going okay how am i gonna solve this bizarre thing where this is growing here and i need to backfill that and build a wall to create this ability to not drain water all over you know <laughs> like i don't know it's just it's such a, a elaborate process so with the terraces, um, what are some of the what are some of the materials that you have in the terraces here? I mean, right now you just see plant material. Mm -hmm. You see, uh, I, I'm looking at a golden cotinus. I'm looking at a boxwood that you wouldn't even really guess was a boxwood that has become one of these sculptural elements you're right. speaking of gotten about three times taller than it was too. Yeah, and you've, you've pruned it in this very artful way where uh, there's gorgeous structure down below and then it, its canopy is providing a little shade and habitat. There's fuchsias, uh, there's, there's Astrantia major varieties, there's clematis weaving through things on structures, but I'm also looking at all these um, rock walls to mm -hmm. begin with at the bottom and rock pathways that have cement tiles and um, pieces of marble it well, looks yes, like. A lot tell of, tell um, me some about your, your, your terraces and, and how you built those. All the structural elements were, were scavenged in one way or another. The, the rock walls around these lower beds that you and I are sitting in front of were, are just chunks of basalt that I dug out of the soil as I was, you know, prepping or clearing the hillside. Lots of really nice big pieces of basalt in here. And um, I made steps out of those as well and incorporated cement tiles, which were created by a mutual friend of Jessica's and mine, Ursula Ulrich. Um, and little by little, I've just claimed areas of the hillside that were just all blackberry and have been freed of blackberries and made into terraced garden beds made out of rock, made out of chunks of concrete in some cases. Um, lately I've wanted to speed up the process a little bit and just used rebar and chicken wire and then backfill that with branches and weave bamboo into it or whatever and, and, um, and then fill dirt and, um, and that creates a, a terrace garden. It's maybe not a permanent thing, but it creates a place for things to grow and little by little that just I guess maybe it does become a permanent thing. That's, uh, you know, that there's so many times that I've worked on slopes where they felt um, so steep. Mm -hmm. And I thought, 
you know, well, I'll just, I'll, I'll use some wood and I'll yeah. first tame the blackberries. Yeah, that's an important one. And, and I mean, I think and that's, and and yeah, and, and so really getting to know your topography yeah. by that taming process. Mm-hmm. You get intimate with every inch. <laughs> <laughs> but then I found uh, when you create these little terraces out of natural materials and, mm-hmm. um, and put that plant material in, I mean, I'm looking at your older terraces, mm-hmm. and you can't even barely see what's beneath this beautiful matrix of plants. Right, it just becomes part of the landscape, and um, you know, I'm sure if somebody wanted to come and kick at it a while, it would probably topple over in some cases. But <laughs> I know where to step safely and how to, you know, balance myself. <laughs> and um, since I'm the only one who works in the garden, it, it works really well for me. And I like the way it's all mixed together. There's a lot of different elements. There are broken pots that create some parts of the wall. There, are, um, I just made a, a semi-waddle fence out of the quince that I cut off and just wove it between bamboo rods. And that made, is beautiful. Yeah, and that hides, you know, yeah. the compost heaps behind. So a, there. a woven, a, a waddle-like yeah, fencing yeah. <laughs> um, that that's uh, upright, it's pounded into the ground, and then she's woven these stripped quince branches mm-hmm. together to so they're the twigs off, yeah basically. they're almost like little wattled screens right or, I mean it could have been willow if I had willow but the quince was there needed to be cut and yeah. it was perfect so you're you're incorporating some of your prunings your yes. trimmings I mean in my property I never take anything to the the dump refuge or whatever that's called uh, the debris at the dump I make everything um, into something here and um, I have debris piles all over the property that just get incorporated into the landscape and eventually turn into soil, I suppose. And um, whatever it is, I don't have to walk very far to um, dump my buckets, which is a really nice element. (laughs) Or there's a fence to throw things over. um, But I really like the fact that I can just use everything I have to some degree or other. Yeah. It makes me proud. It makes me... um, I'd love to create a, a... a double fenced wall where you just fill it with debris and it becomes a, a wall I mean a solid wall that birds live in and I've seen this in garden magazines yes. and stuff and I yeah. really want that to happen somewhere on here someday little by little it'll, it'll come about um, and the insect habitat I think that's really important I, I read an article recently about Buckingham Palace's garden and the Queen really insists on insect piles and um, you know, debris piles that, that are become habitat and attract the right kind of visitors. And um, so I, I think if the, it's good enough for the queen, it's good enough for me. So what, do you feel like you have a, how do you choose your plant material? Um, a whole lot of my plant material is just uh, things that are being torn out of someone else's garden. <laughs> um, <laughs> thinning or you know um, things like that um, or things that just attract my attention at the plant store and I bring home and try to keep alive um, and usually they stay alive they may not flourish as well as they might in other places but um, it it works and it's just a mishmash of different colors and, and then things recede of course and and happy accidents happen like this little um, campanella campanula sorry <laughs> you probably same thing. Yeah, it's okay. Um, it just becomes these blue swaths, and it's feeding behind things. So and, she's um, talking about a trailing purple campanula. I also have that, and I, I, I love that one. I, I, 
I'm always I have a smaller I feel like garden than you. Or, it is smaller. Yeah, I think. and and I know with that I love that companion. But sometimes I have to rip and tear yeah, at and it. Yeah, it, luckily it tears out really easily. Once yeah. it starts not looking so great, you can just yank it out, and um, it something else will happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. but uh, such a great. Um, yeah, ground cover, but I have it. I have it actually creeping up the back yes, of it'll like climb a little. Trees and stuff. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. really amazing plant. So I, I see that you have the perennial sweet pea up there too. Yes, I don't even know where that came from, but I like it there, and it mixes in with that golden honeysuckle. Uh huh. Um, the linicera. Yeah. Yeah. Linicera. Um, I like the combination there, and it's just always the same place every year. I just have to keep it kind of from attacking other things. But um, so much of what's happening in my garden is happy accidents, and maybe not happy all the time, but um, I sort of adapt to things a lot and um, make them part of what's going on here. So it yeah. all works. Yeah. And so, so you're, um, you're open to the you're open to the surprises that yes, are coming. Very much. I, that's really how I garden. I'm, I, I don't plan things. And um, it I mean, not, not greatly. It's, um, I really prefer a mishmash and a, and a letting the garden kind of do its own thing. I, I also, I think I have things that are solid mm -hmm. in my gardens, but then, you know, to let some of those self-sowers play, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. the poppies or you yeah. have, you have, uh, you have things that are showing up that I'm like, what? That just showed up. <laughs> Yes, oh, very much. I mean, on occasion I've had things that I have no idea where they came from, like a blue morning glory one year. That really? One of those dark blue, I mean, a bird must have dropped. Which something. she's not talking about the uh, perennial morning no, glory that we're all <laughs> trying to bat, do battle with here in this Astoria. Dark but, royal blue. But the gorgeous. annual morning yeah. glory, oh, that's funny. It was in a place that I'd never planted anything else. It wasn't in a pot. I mean, it just made no sense, but it was so really beautiful. Do you feel like your artistic practice informs your gardening practice, or your gardening practice informs the art? I think they the must art? intertwine. I mean, it's all part of me, so therefore, yeah, I, I, it must. And having a different aesthetic. I mean, I love, you know, the way rocks look, and that's something that I've used in my art, and it, it works, obviously, it works sublimely in the garden. and. Um, and stacks of things and, and framing, you know. Um, if I had more time, I would work harder at, at creating actual artistic moments in the garden. But, but as it is, I, I kind of come on, just... Sally, start building <laughs> follies. You <laughs> practically have, you practically have, though. I well, mean... I mean, you can just see everything as artistic if you want to, anyway, and that's what keeps me happy. I mean, sometimes I will tie branches together or something just so they create a little area that's ooh, there's a frame you know and then yeah. you're looking through it and um I don't know I just it is fun it's it's so fun to keep seeing what it'll do every year and then maybe taking something out maybe shifting um I don't actually move stuff that often because I'm usually kill it if I do but um <laughs> <laughs> but um you know uh, adapting I I know that gardening it seems to me is like 70% cutting stuff back it seems like yeah. you know you yeah. get things flourishing and then you have to hack them back and it's kind of counterintuitive but um it's also very enjoyable 
So that grooming part of it, mm -hmm. you, you find joy in that? Yes, I do. And, and I like it when it looks sloppy and then I'll go through a, a phase where I'm like cleaning everything up and adding more mulch so it suddenly like looks like a tidy, you know, normal garden in some <laughs> tiny way. <laughs> and that's really fun to do different things on different times, you know? And yeah. Usually probably not the right time horticulturally, but that's okay. You know? Oh, I, I, some of those garden. rules, you know, some of those rules. I, I read once about pruning from a real master pruner who had said uh, the right time to prune is when your shears are sharp. That's a great rule. I like that. You know, and of yeah. course there are rules that we can we can look at for timing and especially with vegetables. That's yeah, a different story. Or, yeah. um, but when you get into this perennial world, you, you can... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't care if my forsythia blooms exactly the same every year or something. You know, I can hack that back one year and not have anything to look at. And it, it's still a beautiful shrub because it's got leaves, you know? Yeah. And um, and really the pruning is so much fun that that's like pleasurable in itself, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I just like to be adaptable in the garden, definitely. We're, we're sitting here staring up this hillside and, and I'm, I've gone up a little bit farther and I'm looking at plume poppies. Oh, those are so I'm looking at a New Zealand flax that is just got bloom wands that are look to be about 12 or 13 feet tall. Uh, fennel blooming, um, fuchsias, many yeah. different fuchsia varieties and yeah, multiple vi varieties of the the crocosmia or montbrichia yeah. as I was also introduced mm -hmm. yeah. to that plant. Yeah, the orange one is, I think, montbrichia. Anyway, the red and orange. Yeah. And I love how they um, work together. And they're like, I don't know if you can see that from here, but purple ver verbena and alley and globes. Um, there are some sunflowers that aren't very big yet, but they there's a lot of crazy stuff up there. Yeah, and I see a lot of herbs mixed in. Mm -hmm. I see oreganos. Um, Jessica taught me years ago I that oregano was a good um, ground cover. It holds the soil down. So a lot of my areas that I took out blackberries and didn't know what to do with yet, I put in golden oregano. And Which is really it's pretty. beautiful. Especially and if you have a lot of space. Yes, and it's, um, you know, it has to be kind of reined in occasionally, but it's just a lovely golden color all year round. Japanese forest grass mm. out here. So how, when you're looking up into this, it's almost a painting with plants. Um, yes, do you, do you think about the colors that you're adding? I don't think about that all that much. Every now and then I'll look around and be like, gosh, I wish I had more blue or red or something. But um, I'm also just really happy with what I have. Um, there's lots of tons of green. Um, the browns are beautiful. Um, I have a blood good maple that sort of sticks out of the mash, mishmash of stuff there, and that looks gorgeous. Because um, I see repeats, you know, yeah. I'm seeing repeats, but that might be more about the plants that you love. Than... I think the repeats are often just like, oh, I need to stick something in here, and I have a little thing in a pot, and I throw it in, and uh -huh. then it's there forever, and it becomes huge. And I, I not just not yeah, so not just repeats in the varietals, but I see color repeats in different varietals. Yeah, it's too. not a it's not a, a formed plan at all. It's it's random. 
It just happens. I think that's beautiful. And it works. I mean, you really have. Um, it looks like a picture that's mm -hmm. been painted. So you're really using the plant material almost as a medium. I think that's true. Even if it's, you know, accidental. <laughs> and it, I, I'm really happy with it this year. I'm also happy that I have the orange Crocosmia happening because every year in the past it's been eaten up immediately. Oh, by the deer. And so I, do, you, do, you, do you have deer that come? I have lots of deer, yes. Yeah. yeah. They're Hence. hungry. Hence these little fences. That yes, you've built. so that's somewhat work, and I also have a deer spray that I just started using religiously, and I think that's really helped. So, is that a deer spray that you make, or is it a deer spray? No, that this you're... is a deer spray I bought. It's called Deer Out. It's mint and um, um, it's primarily mint. Okay. Yeah, it's a really wonderful spray, and it doesn't smell horrible. So. Oh, that's nice, because I remember in past years, He's can, rotten egg can you tell me about the deer spray that you used to whip up? Yes, you would you would whip up an egg and oil and water and milk and um, let it sort of sit for a few days, probably in the sun would be best, and you fill up one of those spray things that you pump mm -hmm. and you shoot it all over, and that really was effective. You could put cayenne pepper in there too, except the nozzle would really get clogged immediately. But it was very effective, and um, it smelled to high heaven, you know, which stopped the deer from eating stuff. So it was great, but this stuff really smells a lot better. That's, yeah, mint sounds way better than yeah. than rotten eggs. <laughs> Far better. I think it's got oil in it, too, but um, so that helps it stick to the leaves. So how many years? How many years have you been in this garden? Uh, since, since 2007, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Or five. <laughs> and what what were what were some of the first things that you started doing? Um, I think I uh, started with these lower beds that are made out of basalt. Um, let's see, that was the start, and then I started working my way up the hillside and building stairs, and taking, laying claim to more areas that are still unfinished. I would say. Um, I think the plume poppies were one of the first things I planted and then regretted, but, <laughs> but they're there now. <laughs> this is the uh, pop of your mac maclave, I think. It's about and 12 feet tall. Oh, they're just beautiful. The leaves are gorgeous, but they are a real spreader. I know when yeah. I've had them in my home garden in the past, I, I dug like three quarters of them yes. every year. <laughs> I've had success removing them completely from certain areas, yeah. but um, where they are now is harder. They, um, they create a beautiful screen. Yeah, though. they do. They really do. They kind of block the public path above my property, which really helps. And um, it's like a smoky uh, flower head that's really odd. It's not a typical flower. Um, yeah, it's, it's really lovely, especially with the dill behind it there. Yeah, I th so definitely I started low and then worked up. And now I'm, I have concerns about some trees that have gotten way too large and are blocking a lot of sun, and I'm not sure how to address those. So that's been one of my major headaches this year. Thinking about it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Thinking about possible editing. Mm -hmm. or and how that would happen, because they're quite large. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> I'm so, sure a lot of people have that So dur during, I know that you, during this COVID time, mm -hmm. um, possibly had a little bit more time to work in the garden at a certain point. I, yes, I did initially for sure, and that's when I started building a lot of bamboo fences, and that completely obsessed me for a while. 
now I'm kind of putting that on. <laughs> <to> admit, <laughs> But I've enjoyed making these fences. Um, they're very simple. Um, I just cut bamboo. Um, I have access to some nice bamboo from friends. Um, um, I cut it. I, I attach it together with very simple methods. I use electrician's tape and zip ties. So it looks a little goofy, but it's black ties, so it's not too horrible. Mm -hmm. And very strong. And um, and then I've incorporated a lot of other elements too, you know, random bits of wood, old things made out of metal, um, whatever I want. And the patterns are just however it works in that space. And then, you know, all sorts of little short pieces. You can, you can just do however you want. It's very they, I fun. mean, to me, they almost look like site-specific sculptures. That's kind me. of, yeah, somebody said it's like an installation. It is. It like is an <laughs> installation, yeah. And um, it works. I mean, as long as they're high enough and low enough too, because you're, because can really limbo under things. Yeah. <laughs> um, it mostly works unless you forget to close a gate or something like that. I think this is a year garden is such a beautiful example of, um, you know, it doesn't, you haven't gone out and purchased. Not a whole lot, no. A whole lot of things. No. Like a lot of this has been um, making connections to people that have bamboo or mm -hmm, have this mm -hmm. or have that and doing trades maybe doing yeah. barters or trades and and um I think harvesting was, bamboo yeah, yourself harvesting, yes and, exactly which is fun and you know the only thing i think i had to purchase for these fences was metal stakes to pound into the ground and that's the basis for the thing and then everything else is tied to it and it's very easy and you can create gates that just sort of hang on hooks, you know, so there's no hinges to deal with. Yeah, and, um, yeah. As long as the deer can't get over it or under it, they're, it's pretty good. Very creative, very creative way to deal with one of the hardest problems that I know gardeners are dealing with. I know, in you know, and they're not involving pouring concrete or, you know, to build a fence. Yeah. Or, you know, buying a lot of fence posts. Um, yeah, it's been a real pleasure working on that this year. And it adds to the artistry of the garden, definitely. Do you feel like, um, I mean, this is a silly question, but are you channeling creative energy into your garden? <laughs> I think so. And I, I know a lot of people have asked me over the course of these last few months, you know, what are you working on artistically? Yeah. And I, all I think about is my garden. So obviously that's what I'm working on artistically. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and it's just as fulfilling and just as... Um, creative definitely it's not on paper but it's in the real world and it works and it's with it's with a medium that is um alive yes yes it is and it incorporates other beings there's insects galore there's so many interesting spiders i've met over you know <laughs> as i work out here and there are um the birds, oh my goodness, the birds have been amazing this year. And, yeah. the, and the plants themselves. And the plants, definitely. Yeah, yeah that goes without saying. Um, just watching them change and, and keeping up with how fast they're changing sometimes, you know, and, um, and how they work together. Forming yeah. those plant communities. Yes, it's such yeah. a fun thing. And that's, do. I mean, if 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 there's one thing looking at this garden besides the fact that you can see that an artist lives here and is 
channeling creative energy is is the plant communities that you've formed the matrixes that you've formed with the plants are really beautiful and oh, it seems like in many areas they're just taking care of themselves they are mostly you know water is about all i have to remember to do if i do remember um, <laughs> but yeah by and large so many things actually don't even require water and they're so well established that's a nice thing to achieve Oh, what a pleasant afternoon. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much Thank for you, gracing KMUN with your presence. <laughs> Thank you, KMUN, for um, having us do these uh, different sorts of shows since we can't actually go into the radio station. I'd That's like so to thank... Our engineer today, Liz Harris, who totally helped us like get our stuff together, and I'm sure it does, still doesn't sound too great uh, in the sound department. But maybe you got to hear some birds and some of the natural environment that they're in. And I've actually been really enjoying recording these shows outside and being with the plant people and getting out into some different gardens. Sally, thank you so much. Thank you, Jessica and Liz. This has been amazing. So